This program is brought to you by PersonalLifeMedia.com. Terry Strzok, host of Beauty Now, a weekly podcast that brings you the latest in cosmetic surgery, breast dogs, lasers, lifts, Brazilian butt lift, neck lift, noses, lashes, hair, diet, training, and much, much more. Today, we're going to talk about facial implants, cheek, chin, lip, and all of it. We've got back expert top plastic surgeon, Dr. Toby Mayer. Welcome back, Dr. Mayer. Well, it's glad to be back. Thank you for joining us today. We want to know all about chin implants, cheek implants. Let's start. What's the standard procedure for chin and jaw enhancement surgery? Well, the most common uh, way of augmenting chins or cheeks, people who, when they're born, they really don't develop strong cheeks or a strong chin, gives them a certain look and their face is out of balance. So we want to be able to just restore the the appearance of the bone the way it is when we know it's in good proportion. And the way we do that is by putting in solid silicone implants, which are like rubber. And they've been used for, oh, probably 45, 50 years and cause no problem other than an occasional infection where you have to remove the implant. So it's... Silicone and not Gore-Tex. Is, is there other materials that are used? There, there are other materials that are used, but they usually have a disadvantage. Um, for example, if you get an infection with a textured implant, they're a little bit harder to remove, where silicone can just be slid out, uh, treat the infection, and then put it back in. How common is an infection? Uh, in, I would say about 1 in 500 with chin implants or cheek implants. They're both made out of the same material. Uh, and we like them for chins and cheeks because you can get them in different shapes and you can get them in different sizes so that you don't want to make the cheeks too big or the chin stick out too far or be too low. So those can be fixed right to the bone so that they don't move, they don't shift around, and they look just like bone and they feel just like bone. How is the cheek implant implanted? The cheek implant is usually implanted through the mouth, through an incision uh, just above the gum and the upper jaw. And they can be uh, either put into an exact pocket over the cheek, and sometimes we will actually fix them to the bone. And that way the incision is closed in the mouth. There's no incision. If somebody has that done on Thursday, they can be back at work on Mondays. Pretty much the same thing with chin, though chin can be done either through the mouth or through a small one-inch incision in the crease under the chin. Uh, we prefer the one under the chin. Other surgeons prefer the one in the mouth. There's a little bit higher risk of infection when you go through the mouth, I think, than when you go under the chin. So what happens when you get an infection? Uh, it's the uh, body will, it takes much less bacteria to cause an infection if there's an implant in there. If you did the same operation and didn't put an implant in the head and neck, it's very rare that you'd ever have an infection. 
But when you put an implant, it takes fewer bacteria to do that. And all you do if it gets red and swollen is you just open up the incision, slide out the implant, let it heal, and it'll heal right away once the implant is removed. And then you wait a month or two and put it back in. Well, that doesn't sound bad. What about if a person has an overly long or prominent chin? What do you do? Well, if it depends on what's happening with their occlusion, their bite. If their bite is normal and they have a prominent chin, the chin can be shaved down, the bony part. So it can be taken down uh, with a, like a file, and that can be contoured to make it uh, symmetrical and more balanced. Uh, and that is much rarer than chins that are too small and need to be made larger. And you can actually see, you know, when you're walking around that there's people with that really need a chin. Yes. And it, in, in our society, if you show people pictures of people uh, who have receded chin, they, they, people tend to say that they look dumb or stupid because uh, the chin has receded so far. If the chin has receded so far um, and they also have an occlusal problem, then you have to break the jaws and reset them in a normal uh, position. Uh, but if the occlusion is normal, uh, then uh, that's not needed. And people would prefer just an implant rather than having, having their jaws wired for a couple of months. Now, to do that, you would need to go to an oral surgeon as well, right? Yes, an oral or maxillofacial surgeon, uh, uh, ear, nose, and throat. Or oral surgery usually does those particular operations when they deal with occlusion. And pretty much the patient can see if what kind of you know surgeon. If it's just that you want a small chin, you can go to a a yeah. surgeon like yourself, a board certified reconstructive yes. surgeon. And if 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 you if I see a patient who has a very bad uh, occlusal problem, I'm going to send them to an oral surgeon and say you need to get this fixed, and he can fix your chin at the same time. Other patients by the by far, the vast majority is we see patients where I'm doing a nasal surgery, but the chin is so receded, it makes the nose look very, very prominent. And I say, if I bring your chin out, then your face will have better balance, and I remove less from the nose. But you, you don't take a nose down to match a chin. You bring a chin out and then deal with the nasal surgery. Mostly, do you recommend this to people or do they actually see it and ask you for it? Um, I would say about two-thirds don't ask for it, one-third do. Uh, the two-thirds aren't aware of that till I show them on a profile and show them where their chin should be. And I can put my hand underneath the chin and just bring the, the tissue forward and they go, oh yeah, that looks... Yeah, that looks a lot better. So then it becomes their idea, because I know it isn't it difficult with patients, and they'll come in with this huge nose, and they'll say, "Look at this little mole right here," you know, because it's you don't you can't really say that as a surgeon, can you? Um, you know, it, it's uh, it depends on the age of the person. If what I don't, we're not in the sales business. We don't try to sell somebody right. something, but you do want them to be aware of what is available. And if it doesn't, if somebody has a big mole in the front of their face and they don't mention it, well, obviously it doesn't bother them cosmetically. 
Uh, so, you know, there's no reason to bring it up. It's like, what are you doing with that ugly mole on your face? <laughs> I know. So, so you don't... It's not like Nip Talk where they say, tell us about yourself. <laughs> We're no. going to do this to yourself. It's, that's not reality. No, no. And But if somebody has a, a large nose and they're uh, 50 years old and you're talking about doing other cosmetic surgery, I'll just say, does your nose bother you? And if they say, they say no, I'm very happy with my nose, I just go right on. And then you because, just say, well, we're very unhappy with your nose. Yeah, no, you, you never should do something no. because the surgeon uh, wants you to do it. It should be something that makes that, you happy. Yeah, makes you happy, not your husband or your children or uh, vice versa. You, you want the person to, who's having this done to be happy afterward. That's the point of the surgery. And if it doesn't bother them before, uh, we have uh, sort of an issue with people that want to do you know, 40 things to someone and, and you know, they, they might need two or three and, and only one bothers them. They just have the one done. And that's the healthiest attitude, I think, don't you? Yeah, because it's, you, you can't, if someone has unrealistic expectations, you can't fix that. I have patients who, uh, they have bald, a huge nose, uh, no chin, uh, I mean, uh, not a not a overall great look, and they'll they'll bring in a picture of Tom Cruise, and you go, and whoa, 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 wait a minute! <laughs> <laughs> if I could do that, I found my own religion. <laughs> yeah, you'd be a magician, not a yeah, magician. Right. What about the turkey gobble neck? Can this be corrected with a chin implant? Um, actually, no. Um, it can be. You'll get a little bit of improvement if you have a receded chin, but it doesn't. It doesn't stretch the skin forward. For all of the things that uh, patients hear about the uh, kinds of facelifts that have a catchy title to them, they're usually just a mini lift. That's all it means. And they don't do a lot for the neck, and they won't do much for a turkey gobbler because you have to separate the skin. You have to do a full facelift to get that skin loose from what's underneath to be able to remove it because that's the mechanical problem. The skull and muscle and fat of the face is getting smaller, smaller, smaller every year. The skin is getting bigger, bigger, bigger every year. So you have to remove skin. And if there's a substantial amount of skin, then you have to do a full facelift. If somebody's 40 years old and they've got a pinch of skin in front of their ear, then you can do a mini lift by whatever name it's called. And it would be good if you have a sagging neck to do it at the same time so you don't have to go back in for more surgery. Right, yeah. And, you know, patients know that, you know, I tell them this is an a la carte menu. You get to pick how many of these things you want. You're going to get a break on the cost, and you only have one recovery period if you do them together. But you can separate every one of them. There, and, no... and again, I mean, I, I think we touched base on our last show is it just you really need to research your surgeons. And what you're saying, too, is don't, sell them on too many procedures. That's how you get into trouble, too. Yeah. You know, if it sounds too good to be true, it is too good to be true. Patients should know that. But I see patients who I tell them the truth. They go to see someone else who tells them just what they want to hear. And I've already told them, if you, if you do this, you're going to be unhappy. And then they come back and want me to fix it. Mm-hmm. And then it's much, much harder. And the same thing is true with noses. There's some noses, you know, I can get them just where I want them. And other noses that are real fatty, thick-skinned, uh, you can't make a little tiny uh, uh, normal petite nose out of that. 
you, you just can't do that. If you look at a lot of actresses, people never notice their nose. Catherine Zeta-Jones has a very, very wide tip. Renee Zellweger, they all don't look like, uh, they all don't have a nose like Julia Roberts. So there's, there's a wide range of normal. That's so true, and you've got to find what works for you. Let's talk pain. How painful is this? You know, of uh, all the procedures that we do, these are real low-pain procedures. Most facial surgery should be uh, what I call almost uh, pain-free because, A, we give them medicine. B, for example, noses, half the people don't take anything. Uh, The other half take one pain pill, and they go, what was the most uh, what, what, what word would you use to describe your surgery? They don't say painful. They say it was uncomfortable because they're breathing through their mouth overnight. The day after surgery, any of these surgeries that we've talked about, including a facelift, most people don't take any pain medicine. Mm-hmm. It's just a little sore. Patients with facelifts have sore ears. That's the most common complaint. And we give them the medicine. They say I took a pain pill and it went away. And, so, and usually you do general for this, correct? Uh Pretty much, because um, uh, I don't. Uh, I think that an anesthetist monitors the patient. Uh, the surgeon should never do the anesthesia if they're doing if they're giving the patient anything other than local, like the dentist. Right. So then you should have someone else there that looks after you, the patient, to make sure everything is okay. A professional, right? Anesthesiologist, right? And the the way that you uh, secure a safe surgery. There are some people I'll do. I know that they have a uh, high tolerance for for pain. You know, you put a spike through their cheek, and they would go, "Oh, yeah, that uh, tingles a bit." <laughs> and and whereas other patients, you know, you, if you just started to do anything, they, they're so uncomfortable in that setting. Uh, you know, we're set up to do both, so I don't care. But we do the majority under general or light general. Uh, but in any case, even when it's for head and neck surgery, because we're using local anesthesia, we carry them very lightly. So five minutes after I'm finished, they're awake. Well, that's good then, because that's safer, right? <laughs> yeah, it's safer, and it, it's more comfortable for the patients. Uh, when I was in training uh, 30 years ago, you know, we had patients that were, you know, <laughs> you'd go around 10 o'clock at night, and they're still zonked. That's the old days, right? And now they have good things for uh, nausea and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, and and we don't see as much nausea uh, because of newer drugs than we used to. We used to be that nausea, to me, was a bigger problem than pain. And actually, in a lot of ways, it still is. I mean, I, I personally would rather have more discomfort than have any nausea. So we make sure that they have medicine for that, and certain patients are very prone to nausea because of prior uh, history of uh, surgeries they've had and they had nausea with it. And so we, we hit them very hard with anti-nausea medication. And a good thing to mention to your anesthesiologist, if you do get nauseous from the past, we're going to have to take a little break to thank our sponsors. We're with Dr. Toby Mayer. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Carrie with Words to Mouth, an author interview talk show where readers meet authors beyond the printed page and win free books. 
Come join me each week as I speak with authors about their lives and the books they write. That's words to mouth at personallifemedia.com. This is Terry Strzok, host of Beauty Now. We're talking with Dr. Toby Mayer, and we're all, we've been talking about cheek and chin implants today. Welcome back, Dr. Mayer. Oh, nice to be back. Well, we just talked about all the different types of cheek and chin implants that you can do. Let's talk more about the complications. Well, I always like to discuss, uh, Terry, the complications that go with all procedures because very often on the news, it's not discussed and it, they make it sound like it's just wonderful and people just heal right away and it's, it has no problems. And all surgery, when you're having surgery, has problems. The question is, are they minor problems? Are they major problems? So with uh, accomplished uh, surgeons who know how to do implants, you should have very few complications. The one that we can't always control is infection, which we've talked about. The others would be a injury to a nerve, um, and that should be quite rare because, once again, surgeons who do this surgery know where the nerves are, you identify them, and therefore you don't cut them. But short of that, um, the most common complication probably above that is just inappropriate sizing. We see patients who have huge, huge cheek implants. The chin implants are too big, uh, and that's the surgeon's preference. So the patient, uh, as I always tell them, the most important thing of cosmetic surgery is picking your surgeon. If you you don't like the look of what he does, if if to you it's too overdone, don't go with that surgeon. Go with a surgeon who who likes what you do. I have patients who come in and, and they're pulled tight as a drum. They look like uh, Joan, Joan Rivers and they're pulled way back and they want me to do further surgery. And I say, well, I won't do that because you're, you're pulled too tight already, but here's three surgeons and any one of the three will, will try to pull you tighter. Well, and, and that's so, always a big thing. What can you do? Let's just say a woman has gone in and had huge cheek implants put in and then they look terrible. Can you correct that? Yeah. You, you take them out and put smaller ones in. It's a little bit harder to do because now the, the, the pocket size is much larger, so you have to actually fix those implants very carefully where you want to. It, it's a much easier problem uh, if they were put in too small and you want to make them larger, but that's rare. And but how can you see up there as a surgeon? I'm just saying, how can you see what you're doing? Do you have a we have little? We have surgeons have little tiny eyeballs, and we look. Right <laughs> <laughs> we have good lighting, <laughs> and it's the first rule of all surgery is exposure. So we have the the special lights and magnification that we need to see where we're going to be. And so I mean, you I mean, put it up their mouth, and you can see up yeah, there. Mm-hmm. You, you put it in the mouth, you made an incision in the gum, and you've just lifted off the, the tissue off the cheekbone, and there's the cheekbone. And you know where the nerves are, you've identified those, and you can put your implant in. 
And that's really, you said something about, you know, damaging a nerve. That's very scary. How often does that happen? Well, I've been doing this for 30 years and never had it happen. So uh, most surgeons are going to be like that. Is it possible? Yeah, it's extremely rare. And what happens some, some when good nerve surgeons. damage is that bad? I mean, is well, that it a, for them? If a nerve is just stretched, it will usually regain its function. Uh, if it's actually cut, uh, then you, you may, may not regain function of what that nerve is. And on facelifts, uh, the most common one you see is the one where the little nerve that controls the corner of the mouth is cut and the, the mouth then droops on that side. The famous uh, female comedian who I think had that unfortunate experience, but that's the, that's you need to pick your surgeons carefully, and, and it's sort of the nature of the person, you know. I'm a guy that's going to fix my carpets, I want him to be a perfectionistic personality, and if he isn't, and he's sort of like oh, oh, oh and very flippant, uh, that you know that's great for if you want to listen to somebody socially at a party, but. Not to operate on me, especially your face. I mean, that's for life, and that's any, when any, anywhere. I don't. I don't want a guy like that. Well, that's true. <laughs> I mean, your body. I don't, want, take, I don't, I don't want a guy like that taking off a bunion because a bunion it's so true. can hurt. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, that's what you look for, and you know, I look for that in in life. I mean, the, the people who are like that have that personality. Um, are often a little difficult to live with uh, because they do have a perfectionistic personality, but that's what you want in a surgeon. Definitely. Yeah, my, my wife will tell me, it's, you're only washing glasses, honey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we have to wash them very yes, nicely. You do. Yeah. Yes, you do. Uh-huh. But as we've talked about that on every show, and I'd like to touch on it again, is that you do need to choose somebody that's board certified in plastic surgery if you're going to have surgery on your body or your face. Um, But remember also, and and there's a lot of uh, doctors on television that are not board certified. I know, like one very famous one. So so why aren't they board certified? Is that because the board will not take them? No, that's because you have to pass an exam. Well, I know you have to pass the exam, but but let's just say, does the board, you know, support these TV shows? Uh, It isn't usually that usually... The certification comes long before the TV show. Oh, right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, the, you, you know, when you finish your residency, you take a board exam. And, and believe me, the board exam is like the lowest common denominator. So in the bell-shaped curve, just because you pass that exam, you know, that gets you, let, let's say, to the top two-thirds. What you need is, is that person. I would rather have a person who, who's conscientious and has that attention to detail and knows when something has been fixed right to the best of their ability and, and when it hasn't. And if they don't have that kind of a personality, they'll never be a good surgeon. They and might they do. don't try to sell you on too much, too. That, no. That's another really good yeah. point. Watch out for the salesman. There yeah. are surgeons like that that are brilliant, but that they try to sell you everything. Yeah, but you can't be, you can't really be brilliant if you're trying to sell somebody everything because it's not about you. Well, you have to it's remember about, the average person like myself really do think surgeons are brilliant regardless if they're board certified. I mean, I've I've actually spoken to so many friends that have gone to an internist that went to a weekend course to get 
you know, to be able to do breast dogs. And I'm like, no, you don't do that because here they're going right. to get a better deal. And that's right. my point. Yeah, you should never, ever, ever shop price. That's, with your body. Yeah. Yeah, it's just pretty much. Your life. Isn't that true? Pretty much, yeah, in life. Your you know, life. You, you really don't because what someone says, you know, someone says, well, you know, if, if a facelift is uh, whatever, $8,000, will you do it for five? I said, you want me to do just $5,000 worth of work? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> is that it? You know, and you think this other person who's going to do it for five is going to do. See, because these are, are terms, like you say, facelift or some, some euphemism for or facelift. Uh, somebody puts their little hip name on it, and you go, oh, this is something different. No, it, it, that's a mini lift. You're not going to get the same thing as a full facelift. And that's actually a question, if you're listening, the lifestyle lift is a mini lift, right? You don't do yes. all that detail work, and it's going to fall again. Yes, and especially especially in the neck. If someone just needs a little mini lift and they're 40, it's one thing. A woman comes in 70 and, you know, you could uh, take out enough skin to, you know, to make uh, a couch, uh, a uh, chair, a matching. Now, <laughs> now. <laughs> I mean, you know, some people just, no, I mean, it's just, it's just a fact that some people have a lot of skin. And when you say, um, I'm just going to do this little thing. Uh, because remember, no matter what the mini lift is, and for that matter, a full facelift, uh, a lot of full facelifts can be out in front of uh, the public one week later with a full facelift. Not all of them, because it depends on bruising. Right. So when you go, if you're only going in front of the ear, you can hide that with your hair. That's a mini lift, but you aren't getting very much for that. If you do the whole neck, then some of the bruising in the neck will, may show. So you have to weigh the costs and also your needs. So what you're saying, if you're a younger person, you don't need much, that might be beneficial. But if you're older and or you have more work to do, don't skimp with a mini lift because it's going to fall yeah. again. Yeah. People are they're being penny-wise and pound-foolish. It's like I have patients who, who I tell them, I say, look, you can keep paying me for all of these fillers and Botox, but over 10 years, you're going to be so far behind... It's, I don't care. I'm, I'm going to make money either way. I'll probably make more money doing fillers on you than I would if I did surgery on you. Right, because but, it doesn't but it's sagging it, skin. That's a really yeah, good point. There you go. The fillers will fill in your lines, and even after a facelift, you probably need a touch-up of fillers. But, yes, the sagging skin needs to be pulled. There you go. And, and when, remember, and, and the, we all, doctors, uh, we always use that word to the saggy skin needs to be pulled. It really isn't pulled. What we're doing is we're redraping the skin after it's been separated, lifting it to where it was 10, 15 years ago, trimming off the extra. There's not so much of a pull. If you put too much tension on the skin, especially once you get past 60, 65, you lost the elasticity, and then people will really get that pulled look. So that's where, terrible, yeah. yeah, that's where the skill comes in. And patients who come to see me, they don't like the pulled look. Nobody does. Right. Well, well I, they can't yeah, see this, so. Joan Rivers says she's very happy with her work. And then, and patients they might look good in 10 years from now, though. We don't know. Well, <laughs> you know, they, they for her patient, sake. Yeah, she, she's happy. And, and, and that's, you know, for her surgeon, I mean, that's the kind of work. That, that he likes. The two of them made that decision jointly. It wasn't like she ended up that way because 
of some bad plastic surgery. No, that was plastic surgery by his and her design. Well, that's the name we want because we want to know, and it's not really fair we don't get to know who did that so you don't get too much skin taken out because you could never put it back in. Yeah, exactly. And But, you know, you can do that pretty much by, you know, pe- patients look at the noses that I do and they say, oh, you do very natural noses. I said, yeah, if you, and, 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 and my friend, his noses, for me, don't look natural. But, noses are but very he, hard to do, too. This is what I've realized knowing a bunch of surgeons now that Dr. Toby Mayer, if you need your nose done, I would fly down to L.A. and do that because you are one of the surgeons, top surgeons for noses that I've heard of. And it, you cannot mess up with your nose. And a lot of surgeons are just not good at it. Yeah, Even if they're good at other things, they might be great at other things, but noses are hard uh, to do. Right, exactly. Noses um, make us humble. And when you uh, have been doing noses for as long as I've been doing noses, you, there's, you know, you're, if you're a perfectionist, you're always going to say, oh, I wish this was just a little, this, this was a little different or that was a little different. But you're dealing with uh, human tissue that varies from person to person. And what you do with the experience is you know which kinds of skin vary how much. So you make a better educated guess than you did when you were starting out. We have one minute left. Let's talk really quick about what is the best, in your opinion, best implant for lips, if okay. there is any. So, yeah, there, there's, for me, there's only two implants that I use in lips. I use Juvederm for the lip roll. That's where the white meets the red, and in women, when they're, you know, in their 20s, they have that gorgeous little, it's like a little uh, part that sticks out, um, and you can augment that if you don't overdo it, and it looks great. Women are just thrilled with that one, but if you want to make fuller lips, there's only two ways of making lips look fuller. One, my favorite implant for that is still fat. And I've used it for 30 years. I got tired of uh, other surgeons saying, oh, I tried it. It doesn't work. So I took one hand, I put fat in it. The other hand, no fat. Waited two years. No question that the fat lasts forever. So it does last. Lips, you have a little bit more of a problem because you can only get in so much, Number, even though we concentrate it. And then you also have a problem that even after absorption, uh, you know, you want to get at least a 20% bump. And most patients will get that. The uh, other thing is they have to be able to tolerate looking a little bit like a duck for about three weeks. So for three weeks, they go, is it going to go down? Is it going to go down? And then they go, oh, it won't go down anymore, will it? Oh, no, because they love it. Yeah, they love it. The only Real other... quick, can you take out fat in the office or does that have to go into, do you have to go to a surgery center? No. That can be done in the office. That can be done in the office. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? We're out of time. Thank you once again for being with us, Dr. Toby Mayer. We're going to link Dr. Toby Mayer's website to our website, personallifemedia.com. If you'd like transcripts of today's show, please go to personallifemedia.com. We're going to get transcripts for you. We can have Dr. Toby Mayer linked up so you can get all of your questions answered by him. His office is in Beverly Hills. Thank you once again for being with us today. Oh, thank you, Terry. It was very, very enjoyable. I hope your uh, listeners got uh, some good information from it. I know they did. You're one of the best. Thank you so much. If you guys have any personal questions for me, email me at teri at personallifemedia.com. Thanks for listening today.
all your shopping at the North Star Mall. Hardly recognize you at all. It wasn't until I heard you say hello. I realized you were a girl I know. You look completely different than you did in 91. A total transformation. Come on, admit it. You had a little work done. Had a little work done. Holy cow. It don't matter. Wow, look at you now. How'd you like to get together for some fun? Like it since you had a little work done Remember back in school we were drunken with kids And I pretended that you didn't exist You were a cute thing but you couldn't be The trophy girl I wanted hanging with me You've gone from plain white bread to a honey bun I think I'd like to have a taste now Cause you're delicious since you had a little work done Had a little work done, holy smoke I noticed you, a damn near choke I think that we should get together for some fun I think I want you now, you had a little work done Had a little work done, had a little work done All around the town In your red convertible With the top down I heard the beauty is only skin deep They call me shallow Cause you're looking mighty sweet I never fantasized before That you would be the one But now you're in my night and daydream You're sure amazing since you had a little work done Had a little work done Holy cow It don't matter Wow, look at you now How'd you like to get for some fun. I kinda like you since you had a little work done. Had a little, had a little work done. Had a little work done. Had a little work done. Had a little, had a little work done. Had a little work done. Had a little work done. Had a little, had a little work done. Had a little work done. Had a little work done. Had a little, had a little work done. Find more great shows like this on personallifemedia.com. 